The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales. Episode 53, Deathless Love, Part 1. stories that feature clues to Koshche's past, or more properly, his love life, Lucas said. He was seated with Isabel in Vasily's little parlour. The house spirit wasn't present, but he shuffled and bustled meaningfully through the flat, engaged in various stages of watchful housekeeping. Small gatherings between close households were currently permitted. Isabel, like Lucas, had no other family or immediate circle of friends, and Vasily's immaculate apartment was about as close as a household could get without tripping over itself. Isabel leaned forward. Does he always make such a big production out of tidying? He does when he's chaperoning as much as cleaning. He's a bit of a Russian granny in that regard, Lucas answered inclining his head toward the source of the calculated industry. I heard that, Vasily called. Isabel and Lucas laughed softly. Anyway, there are two stories about Koshche where Cherche la Femme comes into play. One is Vasilisa Kirbetievna. Uh, Vasa Kirby what now? Isabel asked. You speak Gaelic, Lucas cried. How can one name possibly be hard to say? Vasilisa, daughter of Tsar Kirbit. I think she was just a fling. The other is Maria Morevna. She was a warrior princess who imprisoned Koshche for years. Then she married Prince Ivan and... Lucas made a dismissively rude noise to indicate, and that was the end of that. Generally, Koshche's death is destroyed, which the stories would have us believe meant he too died. But as we know, that's not what happened. Koshche is an immortal, not an ogre or a giant. Destroying his death doesn't take away his life. To hear him talk, it gives him a hangover and several funny stories when the sore head passes. He seems to have mastered the secret of surviving eternity, Lucas mused. He really doesn't take himself too seriously except over Maria Morevna, Vasily said quietly, wiping his hands on his spotless apron and joining the young pair. There's something else you need to know about his stories. The witch doesn't figure in them, at least not to deal directly with Koshche. She is at most sought out by Prince Ivan in his pursuit of Maria. So what does that tell you? They have a history? Lucas asked, wide-eyed, shuddering. Get your mind out of the gutter, boy! Vasily flicked him with a dish towel that suddenly materialized out of nowhere. Use your head for more than a convenient perch for those lovely curls. It should tell you how Baba Yaga was able to imprison him in a soul egg. For something or someone to exist in a story, it has to be named. If it is named, it can be controlled and bounded by the teller for the duration of the tale. 
Koshche's death never dies, it's true, but Baba Yaga, unseen, unnamed, could exist outside the story and capture Koshche's soul because Maria had first broken his heart. But Baba Yaga drowns in the fiery river when she pursues Ivan for stealing her colt, Lucas pointed out. So you really think that would make an end of her, do you? Does the prince think to double back and check? Vasily queried, one bushy red eyebrow raised. Their conversation stretched on for several more hours until Lucas walked Isabel back to her digs in biology. Vasily followed at a respectful but eagle-eyed distance. If you try anything, lover boy, I'll be there the little man had warned. Accordingly, Lucas was the perfect gentleman. Clearly, Isabel thought, guessing the gist of Vasily's warning, chivalry wasn't dead. It was just a wee bit nervous. They walked back quietly. Isabel seemed lost in thought. By the end of their discussion, Isabel wondered whether she could do justice to Koshte's story. Balladesque, she could handle. She wasn't sure she was quite prepared for epic. Everyone was gathered in the Vale for the story, though in reality, Diarmid and Jack were together in Diar's caravan while Isabel, Rosamond, Lucas, Vasily, and Koshche were assembled in Vasily's flat, occupying most of the furniture and, in Koshche's case, a large part of the available floor. Jack had amassed so much time while teleworking that when all this was over, a three-month trek around Europe would barely dent his accumulated hours. So, at his uncle's gentle but persistent persuasion, Jack had come around to the idea of taking a few days off after saving the world from herself, as Diarmid generally referred to the witch. For someone who was no longer an immediate threat, she still seemed to cast a very long shadow. But sitting in Diarmid's well-appointed, cozy caravan, listening to the rain beating gently on the roof, Jack was taken back to his childhood, and he had started to relax a little. Welcome all, Isabel began. Today I have agreed to try and tell a tale that means a great deal to Koshche, so I hope I do it justice. It is not of my culture, but I have spent a lot of time with it and thought deeply about it. Once there was a Tsar and Tsarina who had three beautiful daughters, Maria, Olga, and Anna, and one son, Prince Ivan. Before they died, they charged their only son, Although you are youngest, you are to look after your sisters until they are wed. Though you may miss them when they leave, if any suitors come that they accept, let them marry with your blessing. Prince Ivan agreed to this, and soon after, the parents passed away. The siblings lived happily enough in the palace, and the land prospered under young Ivan's rule because he had his sisters to guide and counsel him. One day, they went for a walk in the garden, and a storm rose up suddenly. Quickly, let's go back inside, Ivan said, taking off his cloak and trying to shelter his three sisters as they raced for cover. Lightning flashed and a mighty falcon flew out of the sky. 
striking the ground before them. A handsome youth stood up, bowing. I would have come as a guest, my lord, but now I come as a suitor. I ask for the hand of your sister, Maria. Work that out with her, a gracious but soaked Yvonne replied, wringing out his hair under the porch roof with one hand as he extended the other in greeting to this prospective brother-in-law. If she'll have you, then you have my blessing. Maria found Prince Falcon to her liking, and they were soon married. He took her away to his realm. Prince Ivan missed his eldest sister greatly, for she was the wisest of them all. But he knew that by giving his blessing on her marriage, he had fulfilled his parents' wishes. Sometime later, Prince Ivan was walking in an autumn garden with Olga and Anna when a great whirlwind blew the leaves off the trees and they swirled around in a blazing storm of color. Thinking that the winds presaged worse weather, the young Tsar guided his sister back towards the palace. An eagle plummeted from the sky and struck the ground, transforming into a regal, handsome youth. Greetings, my lord Tsar. I come from a far land seeking the heart and hand of your sister Olga. If you please her, I am also well pleased, Ivan answered simply. Olga accepted the suit of the dashing Prince Eagle, and soon they too were married, and Olga left for his far-off kingdom. Ivan missed his middle sister, for she was the kindest of them all, and ensured his judgments were tempered with compassion. Anna loved the long winter best, and though Ivan thought to keep her inside as much as possible during this season and thus not risk losing her too soon, she begged to walk outside or go sledging on crisp gold and blue days, and he could not refuse her. His other sister's suitors had appeared in storms. Surely going out on days when the weather only promised fair in the winter would not hurt, he reasoned. Anna was the loveliest of his sisters and the most like his late mother in temperament. She was gentle and had the ability to see wonder in the smallest of things. Through her counsels, Yvonne's pronouncements wrapped themselves in hope and faith, and so the people found inspiration in his words. They were out in the sleigh, playing and laughing like children. Anna flashed like a jewel with her sparkly eyes and rosy cheeks, and Yvonne felt truly happy and carefree. Just then, the sky turned grey and snow fell in a blizzard. Yvonne watched with sinking heart as a raven hurtled from the sky and struck the ground, rising as a darkly handsome prince. Anna was smitten even before he made his petition, and Yvonne knew that if he refused, he would be going against his parents' will. Anna married Prince Raven, and he whisked her away to his own kingdom. Yvonne was now truly alone. He spent a year rattling around the palace and then resolved to seek out his sisters to make sure that they were settled into happy lives. He set out and came upon the remains of a great battle, slain troops as far as the eye could see. Yvonne was disturbed because the sight of the battle bordered his own land, and he feared an armed invasion by a mighty force. Who has slain all these heroes? he asked. 
a passing merchant replied, We heard it was the Prince Maria Morevna. By some great power she rolls over armies like waves of the sea, and behold the result. As Ivan was looking around, an armed entourage approached him, headed by a gloriously beautiful woman dressed in ornate armor. Welcome, Prince, she greeted him warmly. I am Maria Morevna. Do you come here of your own will or were you compelled? No true-hearted hero is ever compelled, Ivan answered. I came this way seeking my sisters, but I find evidence of your great victory instead. The commander was well pleased with his answer, as well as with his noble bearing. She invited him to her quarters and produced a banquet in his honor. Ivan thought to himself, With such a woman beside me as Tsarina, is there anything I could not do? They fell in love after a few days together and were married. They united their realms and lived happily for a time, until Maria announced that she must go quell an invasion on her farthest eastern border. She gave over all decisions for her kingdom to Yvonne, saying, All my resources are at your disposal, but you must not open the old field wardrobe I had in my tent when we first met. Its contents are not for your use. The closet in question was a stout but battered old thing, secured with several locks and clasps. For the first several days, Ivan honored Maria's wishes, but then his curiosity consumed him. He opened the wardrobe and saw Koshe the Deathless chained to the wall with twelve thick chains. They seemed to be made of a magically forged metal. Koshe's eyes were open, and Isabel saw that he was looking both at her intently and also right through her. Swallowing, she continued. Water, the deathless one cried. Give me water. Ivan obliged. Koshe drank an entire bucket and asked for two more. Then he stretched and broke the chains as if they had been made of paper. Too bad for you, Ivan Tseryevich. I will capture Maria Morevna and you will no more be able to see her again than you are able to see your own ears without your reflection. He disappeared. Ivan sorrowed greatly, cursing his foolish mistake. He set off broken-hearted until by and by he came to a fine castle with a great birch tree in the front garden. A falcon watched his approach, and when Ivan drew close to the tree, the bird flew down, striking the ground and becoming Prince Falcon, his brother-in-law. Despite his heavy heart, Ivan greeted him warmly. He had found his sister Maria. If she had grown in happiness in her marriage, then surely her wisdom had not diminished and she would be able to give him good counsel and comfort. His sister threw her arms around Ivan joyously, but admonished him, It is a long way to Koshche's stronghold. To get there, you will pass through the lands where Olga and Anna now reside. Much as you may sorrow for your lost wife, do not neglect to honor them with a visit. Leave a silver spoon with us as a token. If it stays bright, we will know that you progress well on your journey. If it tarnishes, I will come immediately to your aid, Prince Falcon promised. 
Ivan left a silver spoon with them, and he went on his way. By and by, he came to a palace even greater than his eldest sister's. A great spruce was in the front garden, and an eagle marked Ivan's approach. It flew down and hit the ground, rising as the elegant prince eagle. "'Well met, dear brother,' he cried. "'Olga will be thrilled to see you and to hear all your news.' Suddenly, Isabel felt a great weight encircling her, and she heard Lucas choking. Koschei looked through unseeing, mad eyes. He had an arm protectively around Isabel while he held Lucas by the throat with the other hand. He was shaking him back and forth like a rag doll. Vasily sprang to his feet. Easy, my friend. Lucas is not the Prince Ivan that was your rival. Isabel is not your Maria. Put him down. Let her go. Vasily pleaded, torn as to whether he should try to free Isabel or support Lucas's weight so Koshche didn't strangle him. Now we'll hear all along how he planned to steal her away from me and make me look a fool, Koshche screamed. As much as the pain he was causing, the ageless torment on his own features was all too clear. In the veil, Moot pressed the hot key, even as the real-life violent tableau played out like shadow puppets on the archive's walls. Three of clubs. Let them go, deathless one. Your heartache will not end until the story does, the archivist said. Koschei abruptly dropped Lucas, who fell limply into Vasily's arms. Rosamond wrapped a silken shawl around Isabel's trembling shoulders as Koschei released his hold. Jack was ready to spring into the fray. Not your round, lad, Diara said, a restraining hand on Jack's arm. Deep breath, kiddo, and don't stop now, Rosamond told Isabel. She was in human form, suitably dressed as a Russian noblewoman. Start thinking like Prince Ivan and figure out how he could lose this with honor, Vasily whispered into Lucas's ear. He turned Lucas's face toward Isabel. She was clearly steeling herself to continue, but looked pale and visibly shaken. Think of what's at stake, Lucas, what you truly have to lose, the Domovoy warned. The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, is an original work by Shauna Kozar, all rights reserved. Shauna gratefully acknowledges that she lives and works in a beautiful storied place, the ancestral lands of the Sinemuk First Nation, and that she crafts her tales thanks to the support of the Canada Council. <laughs>